We're rolling. Welcome to the House Dudes Podcast, where we invite you to follow us on our journey towards financial freedom using the power of real estate. I'm Jack Haas. And I'm Josh Koth. Here at House Dudes, we believe in a couple key principles. Number one, the best way to retain information is by teaching it to others. And number two, a rising tide lifts all boats. We're not competitors, we're a community. So let's get into some real estate investing. This episode is brought to you by Yellow Letter HQ. Head over to bit.ly slash yellow letter HD for fast, affordable, direct to seller marketing. Tired of real estate marketing campaigns that don't get results? Yellow Letter HQ is one of the most competitive direct mail campaigns that can save your budget and your sanity. They deliver a fast campaign turnaround that gets your phone ringing. Check out their services at bit.ly slash yellow letter HD. Well, we got Mitch Steven on the House Dudes podcast. And Mitch, it's been a long time. It's been like a year since the last time you and I chatted. And since then, the world has changed a little bit. And I can only imagine how busy you probably are. Man, it's, it just keeps changing. It doesn't ever stop. And the people who adapt and shift and morph, they're the ones that keep proliferating. And I feel bad for the ones that get locked in or sometimes and can't even shift or morph because something just disappeared or went away that was vital. But anyways, luckily the housing business seems to have a lot of wiggle room. Yeah. So for those that uh, need a refresher, Mitch does, uh, uh, has a different strategy than what is the traditional real estate investing. You uh, buy houses distressed or otherwise, and then you sell them on a note to the to the resident. Is that did I get it right in a nutshell? I think you dropped thirty-year fixed note. Say again. Hold on one second. Golly. All right, are we? Someone's trying to call in, and it's it's hampering us. So, okay. uh, in five, four, three, <laughs> yes, I sell my notes on thirty-year fixed mortgages, no balloons. So, so uh, you said recently that you, uh, well, this month has been pretty crazy to, for you. Can you like give a give an idea of the type of volume you're looking at right now, it, and has it upticked since uh, the whole COVID? 19 kicked in well we thought we didn't know how covid was gonna uh, affect us but it's you know about the middle of june 2020 and we've sold 18 houses in the last 45 days collecting about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in down payments and that number is very significant because i borrow a hundred percent of the money that i use to buy my houses i borrow a hundred percent of that money from private lenders. I actually have $26 million right now, right this minute, out on the streets of San Antonio, Texas, in houses from private lenders. I buy houses for um, $60,000, $70,000, and I seller finance the houses for $120,000, $140,000. So I'm trying to, to sell the house for 100% of what I, you know, a hundred percent of what I have in it. So if I have, you know, 
seventy thousand in a house, I want to own or finance it for uh, one hundred and forty thousand. That's my goal. I don't always hit fifty, you know, a hundred percent. I don't always sell a hundred percent over my basis, but um, but I'm usually between a, you know, that and sixty-five percent over my basis. So, you know. Sure. So the last time we chatted too, one of the strategies. I bought a house every four. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was saying I bought a house every four to five days in my hometown for over two and a half decades, or just about two and a half decades. So I bought a hundred houses a year in my home, in or about my hometown, for um, well over two decades, almost two and a half decades. So. I got this down to a science. I, I sell or finance about 70% of my acquisitions. Then what do you do with the other 30? Well, 5% I'll wholesale because I just don't like it or I don't want to be there. Or one of my workers, one of my associates who gets paid upon success needs a check. And then the other 25% is the same reason. I'll, I'll retail it, you know, um, because one of my one of my key people who gets paid upon success only, like the commission only, mm -hmm. uh, they need a check. Sure. You know, they need to, they need to put some money in the bank. Sure, sure. So you know, uh, yeah, when you have that type of volume, I mean, there's a reason why your book is called A Thousand Houses, right? I mean, you got to be there and past that by now. Well, that book came out in 2008, still very relevant as to um, the mindset and the difficulties of the, of the industry itself. You know, I, I wrote my life in a thousand houses, failing forward to financial freedom, the first book, because I was going to all these seminars and they were showing me all these big checks and telling me how glorious my life was going to be. And then they weren't telling me any of the downsides. And I kept finding all the, I kept finding all the problems, and no one ever told me anything about them. So I, I wrote that book to tell people about the problems. You know, there's another side. It it all works out if you persevere or if you know about it. But I was going to tell what really happens after the seminar. You mm -hmm. go out there, and then you get your teeth kicked in because they didn't tell you about some things. Like, what are some of those things that uh, you might not hear? Well, like people will lie to you and they'll sell you a house that's more broken than they told you. They'll move in and they won't pay you. They'll move in and lawyer up. They'll, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things can happen. You know, people will write checks that, that won't get cash. Can you imagine that? People will, people will um, say that they own a house that they're trying to sell you and they don't own that house. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, or, or, or they won't tell you about the heirs, the other people that own the house with them. So, you know, part of what I try to do in my coaching program or my Tuesday night group coaching calls, I am helping you stay ahead of that curve, you know, making sure that, that we cover the bases. And I already know what happens if you don't do X, Y, and Z. So I try, you might not know to even do X, Y, and Z though. So, uh, I, you know, you get pretty liability conscious 
And um, if you're thinking way forward, worst case scenario all the time. And then if you can live with the worst case scenario, then you jump in. Mm. And that's pretty much what we do. Now, one of the things that appeals to me about your strategy is the, the fact that frankly, especially when it comes to single family houses, when you're, when you're buying and holding them as rental properties, I mean, the maintenance alone can just, frankly, just destroy any cash flow you were hoping for. Um, well, that's, that's what the book was about. I mean, that's the beginning of my journey. I had fallen into the myth that landlording and buy and hold was the way to go. And again, it's, I'm not bashing landlording or buy and hold, but they didn't tell me all the downside. They just told me, you know, the house rents for a thousand and you only owe 600. So you're going to clear 400 a month. Right. And I was like, yeah, right. And it really, it's yeah, bullshit. It's not right. I'm responsible (laughs) for everything from the back fence to the front mailbox. If it breaks, I get to pay for it. If they don't pay me, I got to pay anyways. If they don't, if they tear up the house when they leave, I got to refix the house up. And, 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 And one of the biggest things no one ever leaves a house ready for the next person to move into. It's never happened to me in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so I had these 25 houses and I was supposed to make $300 a house average between what I collected and what I owed. And even I wasn't dumb enough to think that I would collect it all. So I thought all I really needed was 3000 a month to pay my overhead, to pay my bills. So I didn't mm-hmm. have to have a job. So out of 7,500, I was hoping to clear 3,000, you know, 7,500 potential positive cash flow. I was hoping to clear 3,000 and I wasn't even clearing that. Matter of fact, I was losing money mm-hmm. at the end of the year. And then I accidentally had, I, I hired a coach for the last $10,000 I had to get me out of this with my reputation because I had good credit and I didn't want to. I didn't want to lose my credit, but I couldn't sell these houses on new loans to people in these neighborhoods because no one that wanted to live in these neighborhoods could wanted, were able to qualify for a new loan. Mm-hmm. It was a hard neighborhood. Right. And um, so he showed me how to sell or finance these houses and get rid of those liabilities. And then I started collecting the entire 7,500 per month after, after I collected about 3000 down per Per house, and I had 25 houses. Mm-hmm. So I collected 3,000 down, and I wasn't even a believer. I could have collected much more down if I'd have just known what I know today. But I only, I just tried. I, I gave these, you know, I felt, I felt like these people were broke and didn't have any money, and I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I only asked for 3,000 down. 25 people gave me 3,000 down, so I had 75,000 in the bank, which was more money than I'd ever seen in my life. In, a, in my bank account mm-hmm. or anybody else's bank account for that matter, probably. And then the $7,500 a month was coming in and I was getting no phone calls to fix anything. Cause it wasn't my house anymore. It was their house. And I was the bank. I was the mortgage company. Mm-hmm. So the light bulb went off and I decided, how do I do this over and over and over again? And that was 2,000 some odd houses ago. So, so you need to change and update your book. No, I mean, my life in a thousand houses, but 
it'd be too hard to change. Now I have three books. They're all under the the series, My Life in a Thousand Houses. Sure. But I guess at some point, you know. So um, can you give like the the breakdown, like now that you have done this so long, you know, the last time we chatted, you gave me some uh, some quick tips as to the the house and what you need to buy it for and and what the payment needs to be at that time like a year ago you basically said as long as you target the uh what the house typically would rent for and if it would be close to the payment that would be that well, would we be deal in you... houses we deal in houses under two hundred and fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. um actually i'm looking at houses at 350 or under not that houses that owe you 300 people that owe you 300,000 that can necessarily sell or finance. That's a little too much money at 10%. So we deal in affordable houses. Uh, but when I'm looking at houses 350 or under, I mean, if I get a deal on a house for 350 for 275, I can always wholesale it and make 20, $30,000. So that's why I have that 350 number because I don't get to owner finance every house I find. Sometimes mm-hmm. the houses are a little too expensive to owner finance. I like to sell our finance houses where the balance that they owe me is 150,000 or less. Okay. Now I, 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 I think I invented the OFV, the owner finance value. I'm not sure that that was out in the world before I came along. Um, and you arrive at the owner finance value by backing into the rents. The theory being, you know, one of the things that you have to believe to do the owner finance business is to believe that someone paying a thousand dollars a month rent would rather pay a thousand to own if they had the choice. Mm-hmm. Not everybody, but a large percentage of the people out there paying rent would rather own if it didn't cost them any more per month. So under that thinking, you take, let me give you the formula. You take the rent, and you minus the monthly taxes and the monthly insurance. So let's say the rent's a thousand, mm-hmm. and you minus a hundred dollars for taxes and fifty dollars for insurance. That leaves you eight fifty. That's what this renter has available out of his thousand dollar payment per month for principal and interest. Okay, mm-hmm. he has eight fifty for principal and interest. So if we back into that, and and we go get an amortization schedule, we put eight fifty as the principal and interest payment. 10% as the as the interest rate in 30 years as the term or 360 months as the term then when you solve for the balance this person can finance $97,750 which looks a whole lot like $98,000 to me i always round my numbers to nice even numbers and i always round in my favor so he can finance $98,000 Mm-hmm. and have an 850 a month payment if the terms are 10% in 30 years or you could just multiply 850 times 115 and that'll get you very close okay so if you, you know like i like to do things in my car with a calculator i don't like to have to look up a bunch of stuff i just get my little dollar calculator that i bought from the uh, you know what is it my 2 dollar calculator that i bought from the dollar store which is the most confusing part of the whole equation Mm-hmm. Um, and I plug in, you know, do my math and I figure out they can pay 850 a month, principal and interest. And I multiply it by one, one, five. 
you know, I hold my calculator up to the sun, let it charge, and then I multiply. Mm -hmm. So if they can, if they can afford to make a payment on ninety-eight thousand at ten percent for thirty years, then what does that make the owner finance value or the owner finance sales price? I add twelve percent on top. Now I will accept ten percent down as a minimum, but I never shoot for my minimums. So instead of adding 10% on top, I add 12% on top because I'd like to get 12% down. And guess what? I average nine days on the market and 12% down hmm. um, in my last 300 sales. So if you add 12% onto 98,000, you come up with a number that looks really close to 110,000. So the owner finance value of that house is 110,000. And I don't care what your CMA says, what your BPO says, what your NAI professional appraisers appraisal says, I don't care. Because all of those are based on someone who had the wherewithal to go get a new loan. And these people do not have the wherewithal to get a new loan. I am just trying to better their position by saying, stop throwing $1,000 away in rent every month and start owning your own house and start getting the appreciation and everything that goes with home ownership. Mm -hmm. for the same amount of money per month. Now the separator is, do they have uh, 12%, you know, 10 or 12% down? And in this case, that's like $12,000. So, so that's their credit. That $12,000 goes a long ways to speaking for them because they don't have good credit. They have marginal credit or no credit. You know, my town is 65% Hispanic and a lot of people from Mexico are here mm -hmm. either rightfully so or not rightfully so so far the government doesn't make me police that um, and it's not against the law for anyone in the world to buy um, real estate in the United States anyone can buy it it's whether they're supposed to be here or not hasn't been made my problem yet mm -hmm. um, and most of the people that I deal with, I'd say 98% of them, they're here on work visas or have TIN numbers. You know what I mean? They're here for legitimate reasons and have mm -hmm. they have a legitimate reason to be here. Sure. So can you chat? I'm sure people are wondering about any kind of regulatory uh, things you have to deal with when dealing this time, especially this type of volume. Yeah. If you you know in the state of Texas, if you do over five seller finance deals in a twelve month rolling window, then uh, you have to conform to Dodd Frank and give up. You know you have to you have to be licensed or you have to have a licensee represent you. And so I hire someone with a license to represent me in, in each transaction, and they stand between me and my buyer for a little while until all the notices are given out and the cooling off periods are adhered to. And then we go sign docs. You know, I got, I got some interest rate regulations and some, you know, I have to go to an index every Monday. And actually this is the job of the RMLO, the residential mortgage loan originator, the guy who's licensed to do residential mortgage loans. Mm -hmm. um, he goes to an index every Monday and, I'm allowed to have so many points over whatever that index is for if I close on that week. 
and it, it averages about 10 to 10 and a half percent is what I can charge. Sure. Are you, are you so, restricted to the interest rate that you can charge or is it? Yeah. It's like, I don't remember four or six points over whatever this index is. I have to check the index every Monday. They check the index every Monday, the previous Monday, you know, if I'm mm -hmm. closing on Tuesday, they check what the, what the index was yesterday, you know, Monday. And, and then I can add, I don't remember four or six points to it sure. and, and it, it ends up being around 10 or 10 and a half 10 and three quarters for the last several years okay so you know one of the uh, this this has always been interesting to me mitch is just because of of the whole process of the single family homes and and how in the end they they frankly just don't meet those expectations like you said but what do you say to those people that uh, would claim that you're missing out on some of the other benefits of, of owning that property, whether it's depreciation okay, so let's schedules name one. and depreciation, okay, depreciation schedule? Appreciation. I bought okay. the house for 50 and I sell or finance it for 100 in less than 30 days. How much appreciation do you guys want? You want to <laughs> annualize that? Do you want to annualize that? That's 1,000%. That's 1,200%. It's a 1,200% increase. Mm -hmm. Okay, depreciation. I don't get depreciation. I get, get it. But I take the money I make, and I buy a million-dollar storage facility. Now I got depreciation. Mm -hmm. So I don't get depreciation on my houses. I have to take the money. You know, to, to quote Jack Bosch from the, the book Forever Cash, you got one-time cash, which is flips and wholesales. You got... Temporary cash, which is real estate, lien notes, you know, uh, and selling on owner finance. Because those notes are going to run out, right? They're temporary. And then you got forever cash. Forever cash is something that you rent. I don't choose to rent houses. I don't choose to rent apartment complexes. I don't like commercial property. Not because it, it's bad. It's just because I, it doesn't fit me. It doesn't suit me, my personality. I'm not a highly technical person. Guess what's easier than anything in the world for a person as dumb as a box of rocks to rent? Mini storages. They're little 10 by 10 squares and you rent them for a monthly fee. Mm -hmm. It's the easiest thing to rent. And it's also, more importantly, the easiest thing to foreclose on. There's no resistance. People don't live there. People don't shower there. People don't sleep there. They have a bunch of crap there. Mm -hmm. And usually... They, they're kind of glad to get rid of it when, you, when they quit paying and they just run away from it and leave it with you. So I take the money that I make from the one-time cash strategies and the temporary cash strategies, and I buy my forever strategy is self-storage. I have millions of dollars. I have 1,300 doors. I have more depreciation than a man you know, can need. Mm -hmm. I'm just not getting from the way I make my money. Right, right. So let's, I average $500 a month positive cash flow, okay, per house. This month, about 300 people owe me a payment. Mm -hmm. You want to do the math? It's 150000 positive cash flow with no liabilities to speak of. Then my office cost me about 28000 a month to run. Call it twenty five for easy math. So I'm netting 125000 a month. I took the $125,000 a month, bought a bunch of storages. I now have 1,300 people in storages that owe me 100 a month. 
1,300 people owe me 100 a month. That's another 130000 a month. Which I have some expenses. I have taxes. I got lawns to mow and electric bill and insurance. So I don't get to keep the whole 130000 a month. I got a few payments. But I started that business in 1991, so I don't have a lot of payments. Mm-hmm. I just got regular overhead. So, you know, life is good. I can't complain. Took me 27 years to get there in the storage place and 24 years to get where I'm at in the house place. And so we've been talking some really big numbers. So I would like to digress for a minute to tell the listeners, you don't have to do a hundred houses to make a great living per year. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, 10 houses can make you a great living. Um, I have to kind of do that kind of volume because I don't work in my business anymore. I, I work on my business. I have not seen the last 400 houses I bought and I have not seen the last 400 people nor met the last 400 people that bought my houses. So I got it kind of on autopilot so I can afford to be talking with you. Yeah. So everything, everything is on autopilot pilot now. And you, you basically you've selected a team that, uh, you just taught and now they're off doing it for you? Yeah, it wasn't that easy. You know, I tried four or five times to autopilot this, the home flipping business uh, and failed. Uh, and I finally paid $30,000 to go to a mastermind with a group of men that I knew specifically had accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. And, and, um, they showed me what they were doing and I was able to take a little bit from everyone from each of them and, and then and morph it into something that I could, I could live with or that I could do. Um, but, but the main reason that it worked was I was about to fold that business up in a box because I couldn't do it anymore. I, I, I was running out of steam. I had all the, um, I was wearing all the hats. I was doing everything for many, many years. And, and so when I tried the last time and was successful to automate my business, I did not care if I bought one more house ever in my life and I quit buying houses. And that's when I, I was able to do it. It took me about a year of concentrating on what does this chair do? How do I train the person that sits in this chair and, and how do, and where do I hire this person? And so that year that I learned to automate my business, I only bought 33 houses and the fatal mistake that I had been committing when I was failing on systematizing my business was I never gave myself permission not to buy a hundred houses a year. So I was trying to systematize my business on the time that was left over after buying a hundred houses a year, which there was no time. Mm -hmm. And the time that I had left over, I needed to sleep, not, not, try to go into another endeavor, you know, like training someone. So, so that was kind of, I accidentally discovered my fault was I didn't slow down and take a step or two backwards to allow myself the time to automate my business. Sure. So do you source these houses just uh, like, like any of us, like we're out wholesaling and you, are you doing like bandit signs and yellow letters and everything else just like we do for I do like a little bit of everything um 
but I have four, you know, I have four acquisition people now. All they do is they work for me. They only work for me. And they, they wake up every morning to find houses. Mm-hmm. And we, and some of them specialize in the, in uh, bandit signs and, and one will specialize in, we, we all just, you know, it's a lot different business. I mean, bandit signs used to work and then they didn't work and now they work again. You know, um, yellow letters used to work and then they didn't work. And now we're using them in a different way. We quit mailing people unknown. We contact everybody by phone. We call everybody. That's mm-hmm. the first contact. We, we call them. We skip trace them. We find them. We call them. If we do a mailing, like we'll do a 10,000 piece mailing to a town of 2 million people, you know, we'll pick out 10,000 pretty highly qualified suspects. Like they're behind in, they're behind in their property taxes or they're on some kind of property residential code violation list or something. And we'll mail out 10,000 of them, but we're not, we may get some calls from some of those postcards. We may get some calls, but we're not mailing them to get the calls. We're mailing them to get the return postcards. Now we'll get out of that. We'll get like three or 400 return postcards. That means if my, my postcard didn't get to them, no one's postcard got to them. Mm-hmm. These people are lost somewhere. Now I'm going to go find them. That's my job to find those 400 people and have a phone conversation with them. Sure. I found that it's been it's been interesting. You're not the only one who's been uh, doing or starting with the phone calls lately. Um, well, it makes sense. And then when I find someone and I, I square up, I know where they are now. I know who they are now. I have their phone number now. And now I have their address where they really live, which, which no one else has. Now I start sending letters to them and postcards and touches, you know, I don't waste my money on, I don't waste that postage on random people hoping that they'll be interested in selling me their house. I wait till I find them, talk to them. And then if there's someone I want to lock in on, I lock in on them. And then all my CRM systems kick into place on them and it stays with them until they sell the house to somebody. Hmm. Okay. You know, it's like a ballistic, it's like, you know, a ballistic missile, you're f- flying that fighter pilot jet and you flick on that button where you're going to lock onto that, lock onto your suspect. You know, I, I just, w- once I find them and I, and I decide they're where I want to be, you know, I want that house from this guy. Then I lock on them and I start throwing everything at them. Mm-hmm. So I, has, has it been hard to let some of this go over? You said it's what has been over the past five years or so you've hand, handed over the reins to your team or? No, it's a blessing. Um, when I handed over the reins five years ago, I had probably $12 million of private money. My job today is to meet people, have dinners with people, take people out to the rodeo, take people to basketball games, take wealthy people or people that have money. So I'm to, 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 um, to get to know them, to get, so they can get to know me so that they will consider strongly loaning me their money. I pay 10% for 15 year fully amortized loan for fully amortized money. This is what I pay my private lenders. I pay 10% for a fully amortized 15 year loan in a first lien position. And I'll pledge the house that I'm buying with it. And I'll never let my lender in over 65% of what I'm going to own or finance that house for. 
So if I'm going to own or finance that house for a hundred thousand, they'll never loan me over sixty-five thousand. I'll never ask for it. In fact, I average only borrowing fifty-eight thousand dollars on a hundred thousand-dollar house. I average only borrowing fifty-eight percent. I'm a professional deal finder, and I find great deals. And I don't just borrow up for no reason. I just I just borrow what I need to buy the house and to get my advertising money back. So I offer ten percent for a fifteen-year am. I offer 9% for a 10-year AM. I offer 8.5% for a 15-year AM with a 7-year balloon. Mm -hmm. And I offer 8% for a 15-year AM with a 5-year balloon. Okay. I, I do have some 6% every now and then come across my table. I'll offer 6% for like a 7-year amortization or a 7-year to a 6-year to a 5-year. Whenever I get an amortization under 7 years, I will pay you, uh, I, I pay 6% because every time I make one of those huge payments, you're in less and less and less. So it doesn't take long. You're only in at 65% to begin with. And if you only have like a five year am with me, every time I make a payment, you're in less and less and less. So there's minimal, minimal, minimal risk to these and less and less risk every month that goes by on the, mm -hmm. on the 6%. So, well, I'll just give you one, one more question if I could. So when you're, sure. when I, you you can't assume that you're you're not holding the, these notes for the full thirty years, are you? Like, you you're. I wish I wish I was, but people pay me off. I you know I don't want them to pay me off. I want to collect the whole thirty years, but the problem is, is the average note in America lasts seven and a half years. Probably in my economic strata that I'm dealing with, maybe the notes last ten years. They last a little longer because my people are inherently flawed. They, they, for some reason, they can't keep, keep or maintain a good credit score or else they would never have to deal with me in my 10% anyways. Mm -hmm. So they're inherently flawed. I wish they never paid me off. I do not sell my notes. I used to sell my notes, but, but when you have 20, 30, 40, 50, 100,000 a month coming in, why the hell do you need to sell a note? I mean, do you need more money per month? Hmm. You know, so I, I, I get to where I don't want to. And the reason why I have 30-year notes is because in the first five to six to seven years, when they call me for a payoff because they, because they need to move now and they've, they got a realtor and the realtor sold the house to someone else who's going to get a new loan and pay us all off, um, you know, that's, that's why I get paid off is because people sell the house to someone else who got a new loan. Mm -hmm. And, but, but the reason why I do 30 year notes is in the first five, six, seven years, they haven't paid anything down. The, 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 their balance is almost what they started with in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So all that money is kind of like just free interest money for me. I mean, you know, in the first five years of a 30 year mortgage, I bet you don't take a hundred thousand dollar loan down to ninety five. Yeah, that wouldn't be surprising. I mean, I'd be somewhere right around there, but you get my drift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I collect a thousand dollars a month for sixty months. That's sixty thousand dollars I've collected, and they still owe me. They don't owe me a hundred anymore. They they only they owe me ninety five. That's a good living. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you do it eight times a month. 
So you, you sure make this uh, attractive. Well, think about this. Think about the person that's wholesaling a house. Wholesalers, you need to buy my private money changes everything course because it's costing you a fortune. You make, I'm going to say the average wholesaler makes $7,000 a deal. That's probably maybe gracious, maybe not. Say 8,000 a deal is the average wholesale profit. I'm getting 8,000 or 10,000 or 12,000 up front in a down payment and these people still owe me $500 a month positive cash flow for 360 months potentially. That's $180,000 of positive cash flow. They still owe me after I collected what you would collect as a wholesale fee. So every time you wholesale a house for $8,000 and don't have the money to sell or finance it because you didn't go find the private money. So you can't buy the house and sell or finance it to people because you don't have the private money. That inability to raise private money is costing you $180,000 a deal a deal mm -hmm. you're leaving on the table. So when I tell you I'm a multi, 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 go on and on millionaire, it is because every time I buy a house and I sell it to someone with it, they give me a down payment. They still owe me 180 to $250,000 in the future of positive cash flow, And it's on my financial. They owe it to me. And until they do something, it's on my financial. My financial reads like I'm a conglomerate. Mm -hmm. And so, and then those notes are liquidatable and I do know how to sell notes, but when I sell notes, I never sell notes at a discount. And I explain that too. I mean, I, there's a way to sell a house. When you have a 10% face value on your notes, you don't have to give a discount. I've, I rarely ever sell my houses, my notes, I'm sorry, sell my notes. If I, if, and when I sell some notes, I rarely sell them for a discount. I always sell them for exactly what's owed to me. And the only time I sell notes is when I want to raise some money to buy a million or a $2 million or a $3 million storage facility. You know, sometimes I might be a little short in the bank account. I say, well, I'm a little short. Let me go over here and sell 15 of these notes and pick up the extra five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars $700,000 I need. So, do you find it pretty easy to sell the notes when you uh, throw them out there? You know, I can make it look easy because I've been doing it for years, but you know, you have to, you have to know who wants that kind of note and you need to know how to sell it to them mm. and how to package it. It's not difficult. Um, but you know, I don't sell my notes to institutions. I don't sell my notes to professional note buyers. I sell my notes to doctors and lawyers and regular people that need to make 10% and have a piece of property as is collateral as backup mm -hmm. and, 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 and the, and the larger spread there is between the value of that property and the balance of that note that they're going to buy, the easier it is to sell because the 10% sells itself. Everybody wants the 10%. The question is how risky is this 10%? Well, if you're only buying a 50,000, if you're paying $50,000 balance on a note for a house that's worth 150 today, that's not very much risk, is it? Mm -mm. You want to buy, you want to buy my $50,000 balance at 10% on this note. Well, how much is the house worth Mitch? Well, the house is worth 150,000. So if these people don't pay you, you're going to pick up a $150,000 house for your $50,000 instead of having a $50,000 note. Well, that's, that's an easy note to sell. Mm -hmm. Yep. So Mitch, you talked about your, your program 
if people really wanted a deep dive into the strategy, where would they go? I think it's a thousand houses.com, right? Yeah, it's, you can see everything from my blog to my books to my um, podcast to everything I've got is at 1000houses.com. I can't thank lots you. Of, lots of free stuff. Lots of free stuff, too. Be sure to click on the free stuff tab. There's an hour and 45-minute webinar, I think. There's a cop, there's a hour, no, there's an hour and 30-minute webinar. There's an hour and 45-minute recorded archive coaching call where you can see how my Tuesday night group coaching calls go. If you want to be, if you want to talk to me once a week and get geared up, get some homework for the week, uh, let me line you out for the week, then get on that Tuesday night coaching calls, $3,500 for the year and a $500 renewal. If I can't up your game, 3,500 bucks in a year of being on a, a call every Tuesday, I'll kiss your butt. <laughs> I will. Well, I will. I, I'll, I, I'll fly wherever you're at and I'll kiss your butt. <laughs> I I don't think I could ask for this interview to end on a better note, uh, Mitch. So thank you so much. It was, it was always, it's a pleasure again. And uh, I hope we can do it sooner than a, than a year from now, like uh, this last time. Yeah. Well, stay with Get your people to talk to my people. We'll do it again earlier. Just remember like, I'm not the smartest guy in the world and I don't believe I'm a genius because I'm not. I, I actually, you know, didn't, didn't do all that well in school. And I just went to high school. I just been doing the same thing for 24 years in a row. I know where the landmines are. I know how the enemy thinks. I, I've fought them for many, many, many over two decades. I, I, I've been at war with, with the problems of this industry and I learned how to mitigate them. It's, you know, so, you know, I, I can help. I can definitely can help. No, I appreciate that. And I, I think, you know, uh, you, you'll hear me say more times than not that, you know, to, to master something, you, you have to put in those 10,000 hours or you could learn from somebody who's already put in the, put in that time. So yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think I have 50,000 hours in by now. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Thank you again very much. I know you were uh, heading out to your ranch and, and it, you're probably there by now. And I, I appreciate you, you the extended uh, conversation here. Thank you so much. Well, I hope you guys didn't mind the moving scenery, but, but you know, uh, sometimes you just got to get it done. That's what it's all about. This is real life. I got myself in a pickle. I needed to be someplace. I said, you know, I figure out how I'm going to, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to get two things done. I love double dipping. <laughs> so I, we just double dipped. I got where I was needed to go and we got this uh, interview done. So yeah, good deal. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Hope to chat right. soon. Have a good day. Bye now. We've put a lot of effort into providing useful content. And if you found value in the show and have any interest in supporting us with a small donation, head over to patreon.com slash house dudes. And if you have any thoughts or questions, shoot us an email at info at housedudes.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at House Dudes. And if you like what you're hearing, head over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It really helps other investors out there find the show. And remember, massive positive impact requires massive positive action. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by housedudes.com. Do you have time to actively manage flipping and rentals yourself? If so, go for it. 
If you live in a market that won't cash flow or don't have the time to do all the work, are you just out of luck? If there was a way to participate more passively, would that appeal to you? I'm sure you have questions about how the process works and what to do next. If that's the case, fill out the form on housedudes.com investors, and we'll reach out to see if you are a good fit for our business. This is First Come, First Serve, and we will have to stop taking applications when our goals are met. See you at housedudes.com investors. Tell a man what to do with his money, but if you ain't investing in property, then you're dumber than a dummy. I'm not dumb. I'm smart. Well, buy property. That's my advice. 